0: Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. Second um, Samuel chapter 14. I just want to read one verse of scripture uh, for you today. And this may be something I have to divide up into a couple weeks. Um, kind of just talking about going deeper, not just surface level, but uh, just a deeper look. And so 2 Samuel 14, verse number 25, the Bible says, But in all Israel there was none to be so much praised as Absalom for his beauty, From the sole of his foot, even to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. And uh, I just want to talk to you for the next few moments from this title, A Life Based on Truth, A Life Based on Truth. Amen. You may be seated this morning. God bless you. A couple weeks ago, my family and I sat down um, and. Thought about the year 2023 and decided we wanted to write out some goals for the year. Something we didn't do the previous year, maybe not even the year before. I remember the last time we did it was 2020. We sat down at the beginning of 2020, wrote out some goals, and then come March, don't even know where that sheet is at anymore. (laughs) But we we sat down as a family and we we wanted to. You know, write down some things that we wanted to achieve this year, and we wrote down several things, and things we wanted to achieve, things, places we wanted to travel to. Um, One thing I wrote down was I wanted to read a certain number of of books. Any readers in the house today just love a good book? Is it fiction or nonfiction? Where are my fiction people at? Nonfiction. Wow. All right. You know, it's interesting. You know, there's all types of different stories that, you know, and to each their own. Uh, There's something about whenever you open up a book or you turn something on where you see the words based on a true story. Doesn't that just change how you read something or how you indulge something whenever you see those words or whenever you see that, it's like, man, you, you engage a little bit differently. Like, this really happened. Like, what I just... And reading or what I am witnessing, that really happened. Well, the story that we're going to unpack today is a true story, and it's a story that is so over the top, it feels like it's fiction, like it, it is so outrageous that it, it feels like, man, this is, there's no way, but this is a story we're going to talk about. His name was Absalom. And this is his story. He's the most beautiful person to have lived, supposedly, or at least uh, in his day in his country. And at least that's what the Bible tells us. And Absalom was the son of King David. He was, as the text says, a beautiful man. He was stunning to look at from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. You couldn't find anything that was wrong with him. I mean, of course, if you look on the inside, as God sees, you would see something that, uh, you would see a little bit of ugliness there. In fact, a lot of ugliness. And God cares about the inside. God cares what that looks like. And so, in, in, in addition to being really good looking, he's also a man who had amazing hair. Now, it's not like, this is what the Bible talks about. It's not like I chose to dwell on this this morning. But it, in fact, it was so amazing that, that whenever he cut his hair, he used to cut his hair from time to time, as one does. You know, it gets a little heavy, and so you, you trim it off, you cut it off. And he would, the Bible tells us, he would weigh it. I mean, he weighed it and, it. and it weighed what would be 200 shekels by the royal standard. That's somewhere between two and three and a half pounds. Of hair. So, I mean, I don't know. I've never weighed my hair to know if that's impressive uh, or, or not. And I don't really know why anybody was weighing their hair. I mean, it's like, I don't know, Absalom's so beautiful. Like, we need to cut his hair, we need to dissect it, we need to figure this out. What do you think it is? I think it's Maybelline. I don't know. We'll never know unless we cut it off and dissect it and like really understand it. So let's weigh it, you know. So he was, he was beautiful. He was a beautiful man. He had great hair. Another thing you need to know about him is he was, he was, out of all of David's sons, he was highly favored to be the king after David died. Remember that. Now, you might say that, you know, he was the hair apparent. Yikes, Bryce, that's like the cheesiest joke you've ever told us. (laughs) The things I do for you people, I tell you but he was he was the the prince charming if you will if there ever was a prince charming that was who absalom was but sadly he met his untimely end you know proverbs 31 talks about how charm is deceitful and beauty is fleeting but someone who fears the lord that's something you could hang on to forever someone who fears the lord you see if all you've got is your looks then what do you do when that's gone? What what do you do when your day in the sun comes and goes and someone newer, someone fresher, someone faster comes along? What do you do when you put all of your investment into the wrong commodities, into the wrong thing? That's why the Bible says that you can do better. You can go deeper. And so Absalom, if, if anyone ever did, he believed the lies that charm told him. Hopefully, as you and I uncover his case this morning, we could learn to avoid his mistake and his tragic outcome also. And so just for the next few moments, we're gonna kind of make a list of all of the things that, you know, the places where Absalom went wrong and some lies that Absalom believed. And of course, our list could be so much longer. But this is what I see in the scripture. Absalom believed this, he believed that I am my looks, I am my looks, what you see is what you get, and, and truthfully, this is all over his story, Absalom was a vain individual, he was proud of how he looked, how, of how he came across, but sadly, there wasn't anything that was deeper than that. He he believed I am my looks. Another lie that he believed is freedom is doing whatever I want to do. He believed that to be free, he had to just do anything that he wanted whenever he felt like doing it. He, He gave in to every impulse that he had. One example of this takes place in his life when he was frustrated because his friend Joab, who was supposed to be his friend, started ghosting him, wasn't answering the phone, wasn't returning his calls, wasn't returning the text messages, even though Joab left the red receipt on. It's like, I know you saw my text, bro. Like, why, I know you were in here at some point. Why are you texting me back? So, so he didn't respond. Joab never came. He never showed up. He never responded, and Absalom was furious you know what he did? He went and he had Joab's field lit on fire, right? This will get his attention right here. He'll respond to me now. I know he's going to respond to me. I know some of you have been mad before, but have you ever done damage to someone's property? I mean, okay, let's not answer that out loud this morning. Like, but have you ever lit somebody's property on fire? (laughs) Let's go to that stream. Maybe you thought about it, right? Like, ah, we thought about it. But, but he just goes and he lights everything on fire. He just goes crazy. Why? Because he had no impulse control. He gave in to all of that. You see, for Absalom to, to feel like doing it was the same as doing it. Now, as small of a thing as that is when we're talking about, you know, a friend not responding to us and overacting, it also played out in larger areas. When, when he felt, like you'll read about, where he felt like killing his half-brother, and so he did. You see, he had no impulse control. And you see, to have, to have self-control in the small areas, to have no self-control in the small areas, to have no self-control at all, ultimately, because it's all about principles. It's all about, it's all about the fundamentals. Another lie that he believed is that his true friends or the one who will tell him whatever he wants to hear. If it was wrong, he still believed it. It didn't matter. He believed that his true friends were those that would tell him what he wants to hear. Absalom believed, I need to make sure that I surround myself with people who would tell me what I want to hear. And what did he want to hear? Anything that would speak to his ego anything that would bring him praise. One of the the examples in in Scripture is when he notoriously disrespected and rejected the advice of Ahithophel. Wow, I didn't get much of a response out of it. I thought people were like, no, not Ahithophel. Like, no way, dear Lord, not him. (laughs) You see, Ahithophel was regarded as one, as Back in that day, he was regarded as one that was as God speaking Himself personally. Second Samuel sixteen says, "In those days, the advice Ahithophel gave was that of one who inquires of God." That's why David and Absalom regarded all the things that Ahithophel had to say back then. So he was one of the he was one of the best counselors. He was, you know, kings always had cabinets that were full of of counselors uh, then and now, and some better than others. But Ahithophel was one of the best. And when it came down to one of the most important decisions of Absalom's life, Ahithophel gave him what would have been the game-winning strategy. Like, here you go, bro. This is what you need to do. This is already tested. This is how you're going to win. And Absalom would have won had he just listened to Ahithophel. But he didn't because he was confounded by Hushai the Archite. Oh, yeah, this gets thick. This gets real thick. Hushai the Archite, Bryce, what are you talking about? Hushai was on David's team, okay? Okay and Absalom was who David's son trying to kill his father. And so, I mean, they had some family going family drama going on. I mean, they really needed a therapist is what they need. They really needed to get together, let's meet on mutual ground. Let's have a conversation. They needed some of that. But so basically, Absalom's trying to kill his dad, take over the kingdom, and Ahithophel used to work for David. But he turned on David when Absalom staged his rebellion because Ahithophel was also this is more drama, Bathsheba's grandfather. And so he's keeping record. He remembers what happened to old Uriah when Bathsheba was repossessed, okay? And so he kept working for David for a while, but he was looking for an opportunity to stab David in the back. And so when Absalom staged his rebellion, it was like this big, this big drama in the press. Ahithophel joins Absalom. Ahithophel is on Team Absalom. The gas went through the crowd. like, Oh, my goodness. And so Hushai the Archite was going to go with David when he was on the outs, running for his life 2.0, like already been there, already been on the run, been in the caves, been there, done that. And so now his own son is trying to kill him as opposed to his father-in-law who was previously trying to kill him when he was living in those caves. And so here's the crazy part. Hushai says, I'm gonna go with you. I'm I'm gonna be your guy. He was one of the king's counselors. But David said, no, you stay here. You can do more for me on the inside. Try and do something to subvert the advice of Ahithophel. And so Hushai's thinking to himself, who's going to not listen to Ahithophel and listen to me? Like everybody listens to him speak. Whenever he speaks, it's gold. Nobody's going to not listen to him and listen to me instead. But David said, I'm going to send up a prayer that God's wi- God will confound the advice of Ahithophel to Absalom so Absalom won't listen. So Hushai goes, you know, I'll try. So he like, he like goes in and after hearing Ahithophel's Hit the plan. He's like, I'm done. That's like a really good plan. Like I can't. I'm done here. We're done. Game over. And and so, but but instead, what he does is he's like he's thinking to himself, I can't beat him fair, so I'm just going to appeal to Absalom's vanity. I'm going to speak to Absalom's. Vanity. So while Hithophel had said, "Look, we need a we need a surgical, precise, small, tactical response. That's going to get the job done," Hushai took a different approach, and he's like, "No, no, 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 no. Your dad is like a bear robbed of its cubs, and now he's going to he's going to get Absalom kind of on the. Well, I'm a bear too, aren't I? And start to stand up and just like I'm a bear too, like I'm." I, I can do this too, you know, like, and, and because he's making, Hushai is making David out to seem like, you can't go in there like that. You can't go in there just, he'll eat your little soldiers up for lunch. You need, you need to build the biggest army the world has ever seen and then you're going to go in there and and David shall feel your mighty wrath and when you when you lead them in you'll have your sword like this and you'll be standing like this and when you ride your horse your hair is going to be flowing in the wind i mean he's painting this picture like you know, you're going to go through the river, and Absalom's, there's not even a river. But, yeah, there is. Forget it. There is a river. Oh, he's like, oh, there is a river. Like, I'm on a horse. My hair is flowing. Everything is beautiful. And, and then he goes on to say, he said, whatever town he's holed up in, you'll drag that city away with ropes. And Absalom's like, I like the sound of that right there. yes. I mean, has that ever even happened before? Like a city drug away with ropes? Have you ever heard of a town being dragged away? It was always like, well done, Hushai. I mean, the Academy Award goes to Whooshai for the best fake battle plan ever. Well done. And so Absalom goes to Ahithophel and he's like, yours was good, but his was better. And he did not listen to Ahithophel, who promptly goes back home and kills himself. And We can unpack his story another Sunday, but basically the bottom line is Absalom wanted to hear what he wanted to hear, and he didn't want anybody in his circle who wasn't willing to make his inflated ego feel good. That's because he believed a lie. The lie is my friends are people who tell me what I want to hear. Here's the next lie he believed. When I want to get something done, I need to take matters into my own hands. Boy, does this get us in trouble. If I want to get something done, I need to take matters into my... If I'm going to get from here to there, I don't care who's standing my way. I don't care what's standing my way. I'm just, I've got to look out for number one. It's a dog-eat-dog world out there. I've got to get the job done. I've got to grab the bull by the horns because I'm Absalom. See, that was Absalom's life plan. He was a marketing genius. He had a flair for publicity and he knew how to work the room. He was the consummate politician who who had never really done anything except for be famous and, and be royal. That's really it. And and that was enough to work his to his advantage. There's a great little passage in 2 Samuel 15. It says, And it came to pass after this that Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. What's he doing? He wanted to be noticed when he's coming down the road. Like where people would go, man, I don't know who that is, but they look important. So people like that throw on a nice, like long, like wool coat and just drag a briefcase behind him at the airport, like, that guy, he's got a business meeting in New York City. I know it. He's going to close a deal like he's on this way right now. That That's that's kind of the equivalent. Like, he puts these 50 men out there to go before him, and whenever he would come to town, like, people would be like, who is this? They're like, don't really know just yet, but my goodness, it's somebody important. So, he would come, and he would, he would be there uh, uh uh anyone that would come with a complaint to plead before the king for a decision, Absalom would call out to him, What town are you from? And the person would answer, Your servant from one of the tribes of Israel. And then Absalom was, he would look at him and say, Look, your claims are valid, your claims are proper, too bad. There's no representative of the king to hear you right now. Because man, you seem you seem right. I mean, I bet if the king had time. I bet if he was willing to listen to you, it would be a great case. But sadly, he's not. He's, he's tied up. Scripture goes on to say that Absalom would add, If only I were appointed judge in the land, then everyone who has a complaint or a case could come to me, and I would see that they got justice. Friend. I mean, he was so wormy. Like, you just read about the scriptures. Like, he wormed his way all the way through. And so the Bible says that whenever anyone approached him to bow down before him, because that was the official protocol, that was the protocol of that day, he-, he would reach out and go, no, 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 no! you're not bowing before me. and you're not shaking my hand. Brothers don't shake hands. Brothers got a hug. Bring it in here, brother. Bring it in here, my man. He was trying to do his very best to relate with the common man. They're like, Absalom, you want to go to eat? Yeah, let's go eat. Well, we're going to some steak place. No, let's go down to Burger King. I enjoy a Whopper just as much as the next guy. Trying to appease the common man. Absalom believed he behaved in this way toward all the Israelites who came to the king asking for justice. And notice, he stole the hearts of the men of Israel who were trying to follow the one God appointed. Now he's trying to redirect them to him, doing whatever he needed to do to get the job done. He wormed his way in. Of course, of course, David and his team, they're doing the best they can to actually like, look over the needs of a country. They're doing the best they can to continue doing their job. I mean, it's really easy to, to not do anything but sit around and say, well, if I was in charge, this is how, this is how I would. It would be way better off if I was in charge. How easy it is sometimes to stand there and take shots at someone who is doing something and say it would be better if I was in charge. I mean, how convenient was that, Absalom, to be able to do that? So Absalom thought, I've got to take matters into my own hands, and it doesn't matter what, what I have to compromise It doesn't matter what half truths and what lies, Absalom didn't care for these people. Not one bit. They were all pawns to him, they were all stepping stones to him, something between him and having more power. And the moment he got it, he would turn on them just as quickly as he turned on anybody else because he believed this lie of the ends justifying the means and him needing to hurt or in break on the way to making things happen. One last lie. I mean, again, I said you could make a much, much longer list than this. He believed that glory and fame would bring him happiness. Glory and fame would bring him happiness. It's very clear that Absalom had this unquenchable need for more fame. How do we get more fame? More than I currently have. All right, what are you doing when you get that? You get more. What then? Well, I don't know, maybe a little more than that. And then a little more than that. And here he is, his entire life, church, getting more, reaching for more. He's already born blue-blooded, royal family, unlimited power to anything that can do anything that he wants. And he only wants more. Here's why that will never, here's why more will never be enough. There's never enough. There's never enough. There's not enough money. There's not enough social media followers. There's not enough horsepower for a truck. There is nothing in this world that would ever cause you to put your hands up and go, you know what? That's enough. You'll always be looking for more. You'll always be searching for more. That's because the human engine doesn't run on fame, power, and money. You know what it runs on? It's meant to run on God. That's what the human engine is meant to run on. He's the only fuel that is supposed to ignite us, and that's what we're meant to run on. The the thirst in our hearts can't be satisfied with water that is found on this planet. They can only be satisfied with the living water that only comes from Jesus. And maybe some of you are like, well, I don't really know, Bryce. I mean, you might be stretching it just a bit, maybe the story this morning. You know, I mean, Absalom may have, he, he may have just tried to get more, but that's natural. That's just natural. I mean, how do you know he actually thought that fame and happiness and glory would, would, would quench this ache in his soul? How do you know that? Well, let's look. What, what did he spend his hours doing when he wasn't standing at the gate trying to convince people to follow him instead of his dad? Oh, that's right. The Bible says during his lifetime, Absalom had taken a pillar and erected it in the king's valley as a monument to himself. For he thought, since I don't have a son to carry on the memory of my name, and he named the pillar after himself. This is a great pillar. Isn't this a great pillar? What are you going to name it, Absalom? Me. (laughs) Because it's the only thing I ever really loved. It's the thing I love the most. Me. He named the pillar after himself, and it's called Absalom's monument to this day. His only desire was to be remembered, to be important, because that is where his identity was rooted. That is where his identity was anchored. He could not see further than himself, for he was his own God. It has been well said over and over again that you can't break any of the commandments, the Ten Commandments. You can't break any of the Ten Commandments without breaking the first one Thou shalt have no other gods before me. The reason that a person would lie, the reason that a person would murder, commit adultery, any of those other sins that you would commit is because you have already broken the first. And you've put something else in the place of God. And For Absalom, literally, picture him. I mean, it's a chilling scene, picturing him with all that he had and it not being enough, now making a monument. Why? Why? Because he had a God before the Lord. And it was him. Therefore, it made sense to him to do everything else he did in service of that God. I mean, hear me right now. If your God is the Lord, you'll live your life out to worship him. But if your God is any other thing, then you will do whatever you have to do to worship your God that is in this life on earth. These are the lies that he believed. How did it work out for him? Well, let's just get right to the end. It ended badly for Absalom. Because those who worship idols, they become those. Those who worship idols become them. Whatever you worship, whatever you worship, you're on the way to becoming like. Worship Jesus, become like Jesus. Worship an idol, become like an idol. 2nd Samuel 18 It says, now Absalom happened to meet David's men. He was riding his mule, and as the mule went under the thick branches of a large oak, Absalom's head got caught in a tree, and he was left hanging in midair while the mule he was riding kept on going. Not a great look. It's, It's sort of sad, really, and pathetic. And he's just dangling from this tree by his hair. When one of the men came up to Joab, and they said, I just saw Absalom just back down the road, hanging, hanging from a tree, like by his hair. This is the strangest thing I ever saw. Like it is, it's, right? Like, you know, I mean, you know this guy, you know the guy that's trying to kill us? That guy. He's a block back there just hanging from an oak tree. And Joab's like, you know, the, you do, what? You saw him? Why didn't you strike him to the ground right there? then I would give you 10 shekels of silver and a warrior's belt. The man replied, I love the man to reply, even if 1,000 shekels were weighted onto my hands, I would not lift my hand against the king's son because in our hearing, the king commanded you and Abishai and Atai, protect the young man Absalom for my sake. The man goes on to say, I mean, and you gotta appreciate, I love the word of God, there's so much human in it. There's so much realness in it. He goes on to say, if I have put my life in jeopardy and nothing is hidden from the king, you would have kept your distance from me. He said, if I had killed him hanging from that tree and the king was mad, you would have been like, this was your fault. You wouldn't be giving me no warrior's belt. He's talking about that. I mean, this is real. This is so you just, the Bible's not made up. This is amazing. This, they just include, again, so much humanity, and, and it's like us involved in it, right? Joab said, I'm not going to wait like this. So the Bible says he took three javelins in his hand and plunged them into Absalom's heart. Well, Absalom was still alive in the oak tree, and then ten of Joab's armor bearers surrounded Absalom, struck him, and killed him in case the three javelins' heart didn't kill him. It's like, whoa, it's unnecessary roughness, flag on the plate. Like, whoa, guys. Brutal. But such a sad ending for a guy who had everything going for him. Absalom was gifted. He was good-looking. He was born of a royal family. And it all turned against him. And what was the greatest symbol of his pride? His hair became the unbelievably, unbelievable source of his downfall. But didn't Jesus put it that way? Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Not might be, not could be, will be humbled. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Here's a sermon and a sentence for you. Whatever you get caught up with, you'll get caught up in. When we don't do what God's calling us to do, we'll end up inevitably caught up with something. And if it's not what God wants us to do, what's going to happen is like Absalom dangling from the oak tree. We'll get caught up in what we got caught up with. So what do you and I need to do? This morning, what do we we need to do to avoid the outcome? And because it's really easy for you and I to read the story and throw shame and Absalom, right? But the more sinister reality is that if these lies could spring up in his heart, what lies are springing up in yours and mine? Because even Jesus Christ, God wrapped in the flesh, had Satan whispering in his ear. telling him lies speaking lies unto our Lord and Savior and the devil's been doing it ever since Genesis 3 so what do we do how do we how do we combat these lies that that come our way and trust me the voices are getting louder the sounds are getting louder the the voices are competing one against another it's people trying to speak over one to another the enemies are getting louder and the lies are getting louder what do we do how do we get past that why I would suggest this, we always combat lies with truth. We always combat lies with truth and then we believe the truth instead of the lie. And that's exactly what Jesus did. So I wanna real quickly go back through our list that Absalom believe and let's, let's kind of revise these, if you will. Cody, would you help me out with this list that we just covered all of these lies that Absalom believe? He believed, I am my looks. I am my looks. To that, I would preach to you and say to you, absolutely false. I am not my looks. And you're going to realize that more than you ever have. You and I are not just bodies sitting here today. We are soul and we are spirit also. There is something on the inside more than the eye can see. Yes, of course it matters. The outside matters, but it's deeper than that. You are more than your appearance. You are more than your clout. You are more than what you feel your social media status is right now. There's depth inside of you. Don't ignore that. Don't fall to the lie and say you are just what you look like. No, Paul told the Corinthian church that what can be seen is temporary, but what can't be seen is eternal. Don't spend your life so focused on what is not going to last forever. You and I have to combat the lie just like Absalom should have. You and I need to understand that godliness means more than giftedness. Character means more than charisma. What matters going on in here truly matters. It matters what's going on on the inside. That's what matters. Absalom didn't do that, but you and I have an opportunity to combat the lie. Absalom believed that freedom was doing whatever he wanted to do. False. That's absolutely false. Freedom, my friend, is doing what God wants, regardless of how it feels in the moment. So you and I, we can have impulse, right? We can have impulse. We, we can have a feeling. We can want to light a field on fire. Why didn't they text me? Why didn't they tag me? Why didn't they add me in there? Does that sound like anybody? You know? We can want to light a field on fire and want to react with anxiety, want to lash out at somebody when we feel like we've, you know, we've been, not been hurt or didn't get our way but we can also choose in the moment to go, hey, it's not really my will, it's thy will. It's not mine, it's his. I'm not gonna do what I wanna do. I'm gonna do what God says I can do. I'm gonna choose to obey regardless of how it feels. Proverbs says that someone who has no control over their own spirit is like a city that's walls are broken down. I mean, in the ancient world, you would want walls around your city. Those were important. That was vital. If not, anybody could just come in and take whatever they wanted and run off. But sometimes we live that way with no walls protecting us, no control over ourselves. So someone provokes us and and tempts us or irritates us, and we either lash out or sin or compromise. Why? We don't have self-control. We have to make a choice. Church, we have to make a choice to control our spirits in these situations. You won't always be able to control the other person, but control what you can control and leave the rest up to God. You can choose to honor God when they don't. I don't care if it feels right. All I care about whether it is right and whether it's what God wants in the moment. Is this what God wants, or is this what I want? In today's society, we kind of hold freedom up as this wonderful virtue, right? Freedom. It's a thing that we worship on. Freedom is what? Well, it's doing whatever I want to do, and going wherever I want to go, and doing, you know, freedom. No, because you can be enslaved by those desires that you have by doing whatever you want to do. You can absolutely be enslaved by it. And so freedom, let's, let's just open up the definition for a moment. Another aspect of freedom is, just, is not just you having the ability to do what you want to do, but simultaneously you have the ability to not do something. You have the freedom not to do. And Absalom, he just didn't believe that lie. He believed that freedom, doing whatever I want to do. The next line, slide, line, I'm trying to move quickly. That friends are people who tell me what I want to hear. Friends are people who tell me what I want to hear. Not what I need to hear, but what I want to hear. You know, and I'm going to ask for a music to come. You know what a true friend does? I'm talking about a true friend. A true friend is one that will stab you in the front and tell you this ain't good. Where you're at isn't good. What you're believing isn't right. What you're doing isn't right. That's what a true friend does. And you need to surround yourself with people who are willing to protect you from you. David knew that. David modeled this. That's why David, even in the day that Absalom came against him, we're told that David was prepared to lead his men out to battle as he always was. And there's, like, these guys that, like, David, bro, like, this is amazing. Like, you're here with us, but you're worth, like, 10,000 of us. Like, we, we love it that you're here. We love your enthusiasm. We love that you're willing to go. And David's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. I was, you know, you know, I've been one of the mighty men. And they're like, no. We, we love it that you're here, but if they take you out, this whole kingdom is over. And so David had men who didn't just, well, if he wants to leave, just let him do whatever he wanted to do. No, they were willing to say what would have been a hard thing to him to protect him from him. And this is is characteristic of David. This isn't a surprise to us. Even in the most difficult day of his life when he blew it in a major way and a prophet had to come to him and tell him hard things, David responded to that voice of authority in his life and he yielded, and he repented. And he he didn't do it perfectly, and none of us will, but we should build our life. We should build a life where people can come to us and tell us, hey, here's an area that's holding you back. Here's an area that I see that you need some help with. You and I should welcome that. We should want that. We shouldn't buck up in the midst of that. Absalom believed, I need to take matters into my own hands. Well, here's the truth. You and I need to trust matters into God's hands. (laughs) Leave the outcome up to him. My obedience is what I'm going to focus on. The outcome, that's always God. But we can trust God. Whatever happens, happens. You know who that is? That's Esther. If I, if, if I perish, I perish. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. I'm going to leave it with him. This is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Bow down to your God. Bow down to this God or die. And they're like, yo, like, Now, you can kill us. Go ahead and do it because we're going to obey God, whatever happens. And how did their stories end? With being promoted, with them being exalted. So there's those who would say, look, it's a dog eat dog world out there. You need to if you're not willing to cut corners, if you're not willing to step out into the gray area, you're never going to get ahead. I'm telling you something. This whole thing about, uh, about good men or good women finish last, here's a better one for you. God's people finish first in the final analysis. Those who did it God's way. Yes, you will have some sacrifices in the short term, but I'm telling you, you will never regret, long-term regret, you will never regret honoring God in this moment we call life. When we stand before Him, (laughs) there are going to be those who stand before Him and think of a thousand situations they wish they could run back to and do it God's way. You stand before him, you're going to be thankful. I did it his way, not mine. I did it his way. So let's honor God. Let's leave the results up to him. Another thing that David modeled so well for us. Even on the day that David was being driven out of town when Absalom raised up an army to fight against him, David modeled this. As you stand with me this morning, you know... You know what one of the saddest parts of the story is for me? What what Absalom was, was, was murdering and stealing and deceiving in order to get was something he was always going to get. It was his. Because it was clear to everyone that he was favored. He was going to be on the throne. But Absalom's greatest problem was Absalom. Absalom believed that glory and fame will bring me happiness. I just want to tell you it won't. God's glory will. It's seeking God's glory, not trying to take your own glory that brings you actually what you want to have. This, this pillar that he erected couldn't, couldn't fix the hole in his soul. That's because to try and get fame because we feel, we, we we like the feeling of it is like what Proverbs says about honey. It's not, it, it is not good to eat too much of it. So to seek one's own glory is not actual glory. It makes you sick if you eat too much of it. Nobody is, nobody is satisfied with just a little. So what do we crave? More, more, more. We got to have more. And so then eventually a sickness sets in deep inside the soul. It's the same thing when you try and fill your heart with glory and fame or any of the things on this earth. They just won't do it for you. And so in Absalom, we, we have this example of God. Want, what, what God wants us to do. Spot the lies. Combat them with truth. And what will we have if we've done that? Title of my message is you will have a life that is based on truth. You will have a life that is based on truth and not some false narrative. Some of us are struggling because we're living a made up story. We're living a false narrative that's been crafted in our head with the help of the enemy who wants us to believe it. We have an enemy who wants us to believe and he's whispering in our ear at any given moment that he has. He wants us to believe that anxiety gets to prevail or cancer gets to prevail or that insecurity gets to win and that loss gets to win and that being abandoned gets to win or betrayed or forgotten or overlooked is the point of your story. That's what he wants you to believe and he's whispering in your ear. He's whispering in my ear, trying to get us to leave God's way to get what was already ours. Here, Adam, here, Eve, eat this. You do this, and you'll be like God. They were already made in the image of God. What he's trying to get you to disobey is to get is what you already have. So just stay on God's side. Stay on God's side. Allow your life to be a true story. Allow your life to be based on truth. Because wrong thinking leads to wrong living. So you got to make sure our life, our decisions, our everything is, is a life that is based on truth.